open the word of God. You, you bless me, Brother Nate. You really, really do. Amen. I was blessed by, by the worship. Uh, I was blessed by the worship singers and, and uh, the worship team, the musicians. I'm going to read today from a different Bible, a different version of the Bible. I'm going to read from the expanded Bible. So it might have a little more than you do, but we're going to go to Matthew chapter 17. We're going to read from verses 24 to 27. And as we do that, uh, let's allow the children to go downstairs to children's church so that they may be blessed also. Hallelujah. Yeah, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 through 27. Okay. And we need new equipment. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it right in my pocket. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 through 27. Amen. If everybody has it, just say amen. amen. Praise God. When Jesus and his followers came to Capernaum, the men who collected the temple tax, which was two drachma, or the annual tax, paid to support the temple. They came to Peter and they asked, does your teacher pay the temple tax or the two drachmas? Peter answered, yes. Then Peter went into the house, but before he could speak, Jesus said to him, before Peter uttered a word, Jesus discerning his thoughts and knowing what he had just been through and knowing the question that was posed to him, he responds in this way. So what do you think, Peter? From whom do the kings of the earth collect different kinds of taxes or tributes or tolls? The king's children or others or foreigners or perhaps tribute paid by defeated nations. Again, I'm reading from the expanded Bible, which is explaining some of the stuff you don't normally get right, in its original language. And so he asks them that question. And then Peter answers, well, other people pay the taxes. And Jesus said to Peter, then the children of the king don't. They don't have to pay taxes. They are exempt or free. But we don't want to offend or upset. Another version says we don't want to cause a scandal, right? So we don't want to offend these tax collectors. So go to the lake and go fishing. Throw out your hook. And after you catch the first fish, open its mouth. And you'll find a coin or something called a shekel. In the Greek, it's called a stator. It's worth four drachma. And it's also worth two payments of the temple tax. So take that coin and give it to the tax collectors for you and for me. Father, we thank you for your word. And thank you for this beautiful day. We ask, my Father, that you would open up the eyes of our understanding. That we might be able to hear and see and know what you're saying to us, my Father. Not after the natural order, but after the spirit. That we might understand, my God. Uh, Lord, is there so much we learn in, in this uh, life, my Father, from people that have different agendas? They don't know you. They don't understand your kingdom. They don't understand the ways of the kingdom of God. So I pray, Lord, that you would uh, help us to understand the kingdom of God. We'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Interesting scenario. They had just arrived to Capernaum, and there was a custom in that uh, town, in that place, where they would collect taxes uh, to take care of the temple. And uh, Jesus, who is Lord of the temple, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They're asking him for taxes. You know? So he asked Peter, he says, Peter, um, let me just ask you a question. Uh, the king's kids, do they pay taxes? No, it's the other people. He says, in other words, he was inferring to them, he says, I don't have to pay tax here. I am the king, I am Lord, I'm the one that they worship, they just don't know it. But I don't want to create a scandal here because I understand the natural earth, the, the natural order of things. I understand where they're coming from and I have not been manifested just yet. They don't know who I am just yet. So to keep the peace, we have to pay rent, we have to pay cash, we have to pay electricity, we have to pay taxes, we understand that. The taxes help to uh, pave the streets. Taxes uh, help to pay the bills. It helps to fix the brick in the temple when the, when the brick goes bad, whatever it may be. Then he said this to him. He says, uh, Peter, 
I know that you're a fisherman. I know this is you, the responsibility that you have in terms of business. This is natural to you. I want you to go fishing. And in fishing, you're going to catch a fish. And when you catch a fish, that fish is going to have a coin in the mouth. Okay, are, are you seeing how ridiculous this sounds just about now? When you catch the fish that has a coin in the mouth, go pay the taxes for you and for me. First and foremost, Peter was a fisherman. Peter knew how to fish. He also knew all about fishing. He knew the nuances of fishing. He knew how much fish costs because he sold fish. He knew that you can't catch a fish and pay taxes with fish. He knew it wasn't automatically easy to fish. You can't just go, uh, go catch me a fish. Sometimes, I don't know if you see those nature programs. Sometimes you're wild Alaska and all this other stuff. They, they actually bring clusters of people, drop them off, in a helicopter right in the center of Alaska, and they're supposed to make their way uh, maybe 100 miles or 200 miles or 500 miles to a, to a destination. And they don't give them anything other than the basic rudimentary things to survive. And I've seen when they've gone fishing, and they've gone fishing all day long, and they haven't caught a fish. Not one blasted fish. All right? So, but Jesus was saying, I want you to go fishing. When you catch the fish, you're going to catch a fish that has a coin in the mouth. In other words, he didn't assume anything. He says, oh, you're going to catch a fish. I'm sending you. You're going to catch that fish. And to top it off, that fish is going to have a coin in the mouth. And not only that, that coin is going to be the exact coin that you need to pay tax for you and for me. Okay? Oh, yeah. By the way, it's the first fish you catch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You want to finish preaching this message for me? She's right. She's absolutely right. It was the first fish. He says, cast the first fish. He didn't say the second fish. He didn't say the fourth fish. He said the first fish. So, all right. So he tells, he tells Peter, we need to do this. So we're going to take care of our natural responsibilities. Interesting that he sends the disciple who happens to be a fisherman. Why would he send Peter? Well, you know, he was working on Peter. You're going to find in your life that God's going to custom tailor a program just for you. How many of you do exercise and nothing happens? Just abs- you, you, goes, you, you gain 20 pounds, right? But yet, if you go to one of these coaches, yes. I, I remember I, I had a problem with my shoulder. I had a, tor- a partially torn rotator cuff. And they said, either you go through some therapy or you have to get operated. I said, operation not. So I will get uh, therapy. I got six months, of, uh, six months of therapy. The first three months, I hated my coach. I just hated him. He was a horrible ogre. But then after three months, I really appreciated him. The first three months, he made me stretch, and he put uh, uh, heat, and he put uh, freezing stuff on it. Then he took me out to lift weights, um, and I had to do some weights. I would put a lot of strain on the shoulder. But after a while, I started feeling good. And after six months, I I said, you know, I'm going to put out of pocket another six months and get another coach. And I hated that coach for the first month. Because then he made me stretch in in, in inhuman ways. I hadn't stretched that way since I was like 10 years old. And, you know, and I would look at him and say, I just hate you. I just hate you. He said, come on, stretch a little more. Stop being a baby. You know, I hate when they call me baby, you know. But yet, you know something? It worked on me. It helped me to get more fit and shape. I, I had more energy during the day. It's amazing. You know, so we need to understand sometimes we need a coach. We, we need somebody to give us direction. We need somebody that sees the greater person inside of us yes. and help to take out. You know, we get into this comfort level. Amen. We have habits. We have tendencies. We have proclivities Amen. that don't allow us to be the best we can. And no, nobody better than God. God knows you. Say to your neighbor, he knows you. He knows you. See? So he sent Peter to do what he does best, but he sent him with a ridiculous, exaggerated command or instruction. So as Peter goes fishing, guess what? He catches the fish. He catches the first fish, and conveniently, when he opens up the mouth, there's a coin. But it's not just a coin. It is the exact amount that he needs to go pay for Jesus' tax and his tax. Amazing, amazing. Now, when Peter caught the fish, he could have said, you know something, I appreciate what Jesus said, but this is my fish. I caught the fish, so therefore, it's me time. Anybody here? If you go fishing and there's a coin, and it's a very expensive coin, let's say it's a nice 1824 St. Gordon's gold piece, what are you going to do with it? 
<laughs> eBay, exactly. <laughs> well, you'll appraise it, whatever it means. Well, but you know, you're not going to be going around handing it to the first person you see, right? Peter could have given it away. Peter could have uh, kept it for himself. He could have gone to you know, Nazareth Bay or something. I don't know. They didn't have eBay at the time. But he didn't. He did it. Okay, some of you are now getting it, right? <laughs> a slow wave after a while you're getting it. So he, he could have, he could have, he literally could have kept it. He could have come back and say to Jesus, Jesus, you know, come on, fishing with coins in the mouth? That was no coin. He could have pocketed the coin. But he obeyed the Lord Jesus. And, and it became, it, it, he had a level of integrity. Amen. And, you know, he, he got blessed by that because he was able to pay his tax. Later on, you see in the story where he's fishing and he's not catching fish. And Jesus goes to him and says, let me give you a little wisdom here. Fish it on the other side. And he had fished all night, right? And they, caught nothing. they hadn't caught anything. And guess what? This time they fish. And when they throw out the net, they catch so much fish that the boat started, yeah. you know, it started tilting because it was so heavy. He had to have his friends come in and help him catch. Let me tell you something. Everybody got paid that week. Yes. You understand? So... <laughs> When God gives you an instruction, or when God gives you uh, um, wisdom and understanding, and it goes against your grain, usually he's trying to tell you something. It's not like God doesn't know. When God told Adam, Adam, where are you? It's not that he couldn't find Adam. He knew exactly where Adam was. What he was doing is he was issuing a question that evoked a thought from Adam. And it exposed where Adam was. In this case, Adam hid. Well, you know, God, I don't want you to see me. I have done something, you know. So when God starts talking to you and he starts giving you instruction or direction, it's because he usually wants to give you an instruction. And he usually wants to expose something. And he usually wants to expose something in you that you could correct because he wants you to get on the side of the blessing. Amen. We are our own worst enemy most of the time. Yes. We have limits and caps that, that are in our mind. And God wants to break that because he wants to take you so much, so much further in life. Are you aware that most people uh, can be a governor, can be a mayor, but they'll yes. never be it right. because of their own thinking? Mm -hmm. Things that they learned as a child or that were imposed upon them as a child. Mm -hmm. But yet when you break through, it's like me. When, when I started exercising within three months, I was an animal, man. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> At first, I, I saw the guys with all the muscle, and I would stay away from when they went. <laughs> it was embarrassed, man. But after three or four months, you start seeing a little definition, you know, a little, little, little definition. It takes about two to three years to get the bigger, you know. But, you know, I felt better after three months. I would go in there and go. Yeah. After a while, you, you, you get confident. You get confident. And, and, and that's what God wants us to get. He wants us to get confident in who we are, who God called amen, us to be. Amen. We're not there yet, but it's, it's because there are blinders, there are limits, yes. and, and God wants to break those things. So he'll use, usually get you to a place that looks ridiculous, sounds ridiculous, something that doesn't make sense to you, but it makes all the sense to God. And when you go through it, and when you obey God, even in the midst of uh, a difficulty, uh, a, a crazy boss, or you know, a situation you don't understand, then after you go through it, something breaks through inside of you. So today we experienced the worship, and in the worship was talking about the breakthrough. Uh, I think Nate also mentioned uh, uh, the breakthrough, right? So as we put God first in our lives, things will start coming into divine order. And so Peter started realizing, hold on a second. Uh, this is more than just fishing here. Because another thing that most people don't realize, Jesus wasn't poor. I don't know if you realize it, but he had a regular group of people giving into his ministry. And he had a treasurer. And he had a treasury. And he was taking care of 12 guys. You're not getting this. Hang around and take care of 12 men for a week. And you'll see what I'm talking about, how expensive men can be. All right? Because they left everything that they were doing to follow him. So they were eating. They were going from town to town, whatever it is that they needed. There were people taking care of his men. And watch this. In the treasure, oh yeah, of course, and the families. So Jesus wasn't poor. Oh, bendito, Jesus didn't have a home. No, no, he had a home. One time he said, I don't have, a, I don't have a, a pillow to rest my head on or a bed to rest my head on. It's not that he didn't have a, a pillow or a bed. He had that at home. It's that he was traveling. Yes, yes. 
So people misunderstand that. The gown that he wore was so expensive that when they crucified him, they took the gown and they bid for it. Because it was made out of one particular fabric. There was no cut in it at all. It was very fine. And guess what? The treasurer was stealing from the treasury and they still had enough to do it. You see my point? So it's not that Jesus needed the coin. He wanted to get a teaching over to Peter. Because later on, Peter was going to have to trust him as an apostle. He was going to have to uh, work in the miraculous. He was going to have to understand how to walk by faith. So he was was getting some, some principles over to him. So point number one, God will always give you an instruction that even though it might seem contrary to logic, he wants to bless you in the process. The instruction Guaranteed will expose any sin, any iniquity, any greed, any selfish, selfishness that we might be walking with. Jesus did not need the coin because he was already uh, blessed by a treasurer and a treasury. All right? Peter, even though he was a fisherman, he knew how hard it was to fish. But God wanted, or Jesus wanted to show Peter how when God is in your business, he can provide in seemingly impossible ways. Peter knew how hard it was. But yet... Jesus said, the first fish you fish. And Peter said, okay, I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to follow your instructions, but I, I understand how ridiculous this sounds. But yet when he went fishing, he caught the first fish. When he opened up the mouth, there was a coin in there. And it was the exact coin he needed. And it was the specific coin that Jesus spoke about. Now, I would love to have a Twitter photograph of Peter the moment he found the fish. And opened up the mouth and saw the coin. What did his face look like? (laughs) You know, it had to be something like that. It was not like, oh, yeah, of course, Jesus said it. (laughs) Yeah, right. Listen, when God does a miracle in our life, we get blown away. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. You see the miracle? Oh, my God. We have a hard time that Jesus is going to do some crazy stuff in our midst, right? But he does it all the time. And so I am so totally convinced that when Jesus, when Peter saw the coin, when he took the coin in his hand, that must have blew him away. He must have scratched his head. He must have said, who is this guy? (laughs) Which, by the way, they did say many times. Because when he stopped the water, they went, who is this guy? He's God. Almighty God in the flesh. Come here because he loves us. Come here to reconnect us with his family. Praise God. So that's the first instruction or the first point. He'll always give us an unusual instruction. And another thing is usually a test. See, God wants to test where we are, where our heart is at. When he, when he spoke to Adam, he says, where are you, Adam? He knew where he was at. He was testing his heart. Yes. Second thing, God gives us a strategy, a strategy that destroys selfishness and greed because we all have this tendency in our flesh. Peter had to pay not only his taxes, but he had to pay the, the taxes of Jesus also. See? So God has strategies right where you are, right in the business or in the job that you work at, to provide not just enough, but to pro- provide more than enough for you to be able to share with others. Now, this is the beauty about the Spirit of God. When you start flowing in the Spirit of God, God starts breaking your natural, innate tendency to be selfish. I got no amens there. When you're a child... And you can see that with our children. I'm seeing that with our grandson now. He will grab a toy. He doesn't care whose toy it is. Immediately it's his. Yes, yes. Right? Right, Deacon? Mine, mine, mine. And then you try to take one. Oh, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to little Joey's. No, mine, mine. And if you take it from them, they'll cry. They'll scream. Why? Because they're inherently selfish. See? When you start flowing in the Spirit of God, when you start understanding the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God, God starts breaking that from you. And that's painful because we're inherently selfish. You know, and, and, but he's, he does not want to limit what we have. He doesn't want to take away what we have. He wants to get us into the, the flow of the miraculous. See? Because when I have something and it's blessed by God, it'll keep on multiplying. Amen. 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 Remember when Jesus fed the multitudes? Yes. Yes. A little child brings to him how much? How many fish? How many loaves? Two loaves. Two loaves and how many fish? Five. Five, Five. right. They put them... They brought him to Jesus, and the, and the, the disciples said, uh, Jesus, there's 5,000 people plus their families. How are you going to do this? He said, don't worry. Give it to me. 
This is all we have. Give it to me. Thank you, Father. And he blessed it. And then he started cutting pieces. He says, now start distributing. The, the guys are going. They bring, they come back and he gives them another. It's amazing. It was a miracle. It didn't happen once. It happened twice. One time they fed 5,000. One time they fed 4,000. See? So Jesus was saying, if you give me what you have and you allow me to enter into your life and partner with you, what you have will suddenly start multiplying, 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 multiplying. Amen, amen. If, if you are a giver, if you're a taker and you're a hoarder, then I'll stop the flow. The only thing that stops the flow of the Spirit of God is when we continue to flow in the Spirit of this age, which is selfishness and greed. See? So God breaks. He has programs to break the greed, not to take stuff away from us, but to get us into that flow of the miraculous. And that's what most of, most of us have that problem with God. We don't mind coming to church. But when God starts working on you, that's when it starts getting, it starts getting uh, tough. Because now he starts putting a demand on your time. Now he starts putting a demand on your resource, on your gift. Now he starts putting a demand. But what he's trying to do, he's trying to make you not just blessed. He's trying to make you a blessing. Yes. Would I be, what, what do I rather be? Blessed or be the blessing? blessing. You know, so if I'm blessed... I have something. I receive something. If I'm the blessing, I'm the one that's dispensing it to yes, others because yes. of there's an overflow in my life. Exactly. Amen, amen. You see my point? Amen. So God wants to get us to that point. But before he does that, he has to work on you. Yeah. Say to your neighbor, he's working on you right now. You see, we love it. We come to church when we have a chance. Oh, yeah, I come every Easter. Because I don't want to see you every Easter. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are married? All right, okay, okay. How many of you are dating right now? Okay, okay, all right, good. So, well, you, that's your hot chocolate, you're married. We already said it. We, we already, but now, when you were single, um, did people put pressure on your time? Do you have anybody putting pressure on your time, really? When you were single? Who? Before she was there. Who was, but now that you're married, do, do you have to answer to her? Do you have to call her? Yeah. Yeah, you can't just go out for two, three days. And... Not even five minutes. <laughs> why? What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Why, why, why do you want to know where he's at? It's commitment. That's exactly right. See, God committed to us on the cross, right? He, it's for God so loved that he gave it all. See, and then he calls us his bride, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. We are the bride. So in other words, there's a level of relationship that's all the way up here. When we come to Christ, you, you, you know, so he already committed himself to us. So when we commit to him, now he says, okay, you're committing to me. You're, you're, you're my bride. Fine. Now we're going to walk together. But now I'm going to put some responsibility on you too. You know what I'm saying? You know, when, when, when I go out, I call my wife. How are you doing? Everything right? Not because I have to. Not just, you know, in the old days, uh, the machistas, you know? Yeah. Machi my dad was a serious machista. You know? and he taught me that stuff. So my early days, I got married very early at age 19. So when my wife started putting that pressure on me, you know, where were you? You didn't call. You don't have to call me. I'm a man. I'm growing up, man. What's the matter with you calling me like that? You know? But I was just an echo, you know? And plus, I was just getting out of my parents' house, and I hated that they were doing it. And I have this young lady screaming at me on the phone, why didn't you call me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But then after a while, I realized, well, wait a second. I said, you're one. We're one. I love you. Well, what's the big deal? Pick up the phone. So now we, we, we do that on a regular basis because we love each other. See, so God was teaching Peter, P Peter, you're coming into a place where I'm going to enter a relationship with you and you're going to enter a relationship with me where I'm going to give you all I have. The kingdom is yours. All right. The fish that had the coin. Guess what? There's a lot more fish that have coins. I'm going to show you where they're at. But now I also want something from you. You know what I want from you, Peter? I want your heart. That's the God. I want your heart because you, you can't give me money. I, I, I'm the owner of all the gold and silver. Amen. You, you know what I'm saying? You can't give me fame. Nobody more famous, famous than God. Right. You understand? So you can't give him anything on this earth that he doesn't already have. But that's not true. He wants your heart. You see? And that's something he was teaching Peter. That, first, that, that, that God first principle. Because God puts us first. So God has strategies. But us as a kingdom uh, citizen, we are called to model the love of God, which goes contrary to the spirit of this age, which is greed and selfishness. One of the, uh, two of the equalizers in scripture, which now bless me. Before, I used to have a problem with, I gotta I got admit, but now it blesses me, is the tithe and the first fruit. The reason why they're the great equalizer is because they work directly with that spirit of greed and selfishness. 
When we put God first, same thing as when I put my wife first in my relationship level, everything that's mine is hers. Sometimes her and I, we never argue, we just have intense fellowship. And so we talk about money and then she wants to do this for the kids and this for the grandson and, and this for the house and this. And it's, I'm going cha-ching, 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 ta-ta-ta-ta, calendar, uh, 200 and 400, 500, 600. You know, I said, how are we going to do that? At the end of the day, I said, oh, go ahead. Because I know that it's, it's going to bless her. And I know her and I, were one and whatever blesses her, blesses me. You understand? So in terms of our relationship, finance is a part of it because that's what empowers me to be able to give her the things that she needs or wants, right? In the same thing in the kingdom of God. God doesn't need anything from us. He is self-preserving. He is self-sustaining, right? And plus, he's the owner of it all. What he wants is he wants you to learn how to use your stuff in such a way that's not only going to bless you. He wants you to now become a blessing to others. And... The tithe in the Old Testament used to bless the priests and the work of God. And the people didn't like to give it. So in the book of Malachi, he says, you people are robbing from me. They're saying, well, how can we rob from you? <laughs> you're God. No, no, you're robbing because in the natural order, everything that man does on earth blesses other men or curses other men. And so what you guys are doing, uh, as, I, as I established the, 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 the principle of the priesthood there for you to bless you, you guys are not honoring the people I, I put in place. You're not honoring the, 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 the process that I put in place to help Amen. the poor, to, to help the community. Amen. You see my point? So I don't need it. This is for you. But I want you to flow in that spirit of giving like I am a giver. And so what happens is the tithe is an equalizer because it destroys greed. Mm-hmm. But it's an equalizer because if a millionaire next to me takes out his tithe, let's say he makes 10 million a year. What's his tithe? A million, a million because tithe means 10. If he takes out a million and gives... And I only make 200 a week. So how, how, what's my tithe? $20. Right? He gives a million, I give 20. Guess which one is more? None. Because they're both a tenth. So they're the great equalizer because it has nothing to do how mu- in terms of how much they possess. It has all to do with me and my relationship with God. See my point? So I love that because God doesn't impose upon me... Uh, um, a responsibility that that guy has or that she has or that he has. It's my responsibility with God. You understand? It's like my relationship, my relationship with my wife, I can't impose it upon Brother Nate. You know why? Brother Nate has his hot chocolate. And I, and I have my mocha, is it? <laughs> mocha? <laughs> Café au lait, maybe? <laughs> yeah, she's got that, that Puerto Rican thing, but not... Brown sugar latte. Brown sugar latte? Okay. <laughs> I got my own brown sugar latte. <laughs> I follow this guy out there. So, so you see my point? So I, I love that. Then also the first fruit is the best that you bring in, your season. See, it has nothing to do with the other person. And the reason why I know that is when Jesus was in the treasury, or rather he was in church, he's looking, looking at the service, right? And then um, he sees all the big guys, all the big donors giving to the, uh, the temple, and he's just standing there. He's, and his face is saying, that's what they ought to be doing, right? But a widow comes up who only has two farthings, which is the equivalent of one-eighth of a penny. And she gives the two farthings and turns around and goes back to her seat. Then he goes, guys, come here, come here. See that? That's faith. That's what I'm talking about. And, and they say, what do you mean, Jesus? She's just giving two farthings. These guys are giving out of, you know, they're giving abundance. So you don't understand. She gave with her heart. She yeah. gave what she had. She, she, gave, she gave the correct amount, yes. which is something that blesses my heart. The other guys were giving, out of their abundance, they were giving a little piece of it, right? Yeah. But it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't from the heart level. That's right. See my point? Amen. Amen. So God knows what we give, and God knows how we give. God knows how we give our time to his kingdom. He knows how we bless others or not. Amen. You see, sometimes it moves God, sometimes it doesn't. When does it move God? When our heart is involved. When our heart is invested, yes. when we're giving full commitment, when we're putting him first. Hallelujah. See my point? Amen. So it's the great equalizer. And I love that about my God. Uh, number three, God will give his strategies and provision to those he can trust. Now, would you want God to show you where the hidden money was? I'm going to ask it again. I don't think people heard me. Would you like God to show you where the hidden money is? Yes. 
the fish with the coin, right? Are you aware that right now God is speaking? I, I know several businessmen who love the Lord, filled with the Spirit of God, but they're serious on the finance side. And they know business owners and they know people who right now the Spirit of God is speaking to them to create things now for this age. There's one company right now, uh, they're not on the stock market yet, but God spoke to a guy in, in London, says, this is going to help America. Go with this invention and go to America. And they've been working on it, and there are people that are, are investing in it, the Chinese are investing in it, some big stuff are happening, and it was the Spirit of God that gave him the wisdom to bring it forth. Is that man going to make a mint? Absolutely. Yes. But you know what's happening? God trusts him. So God is working through him supernaturally. Years ago, and I shared that with some of you in the past, um, a, a gentleman, he, he said, I'm, I'm going to make the Lord my partner. So he made the Lord his partner. And he called his company Lord and Taylor. Yeah. And this is true. You see, and today, everybody knows who Lord and Taylor is. Yes. But before that company, before he had made him Lord and Taylor, nobody knew his company. You see my point? Yeah. Uh, God is right now releasing wisdom. See, he didn't make the coin for him. He didn't make, uh, uh, rather, he didn't go and... and, and grab the fish, and give it to Peter, he showed him where it's at. See, and he knew you could trust him. He says, so I'm going to make you a resource person. And in the year 2014, we're going to see several things happening. You're going to see a lot of people lose resources because they're trusting in man. Yes. And you're going to see a group of people gain resources because they trust in God. Amen, amen. amen. I got two amens here from one person. <laughs> Everybody else is going, oh man, I can't wait till this guy finishes. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I have my ear peeled because I know mm -hmm. that God is releasing yes. the wisdom of yes. God this year. Yes. And, and not only wisdom of God, but also wisdom of God for uh, connections, divine connections. Say with me, divine connections. Divine connections. See, because of Peter's divine connection with Jesus, he was able to go and find something that nobody knew was there. You know that, that fish could have been fished out by somebody else? Yes. At any time. It was there all along. The fish was there, it was going, Peter, Peter. I mean, if anybody would have gone to fish at the very same time and throw that hook, that fish would not have known the difference. They love shiny stuff. They would have gone and, you know, they would have yes. migrated right to where that little hook is and they would have got caught. Amen. But nobody right. caught it because they did not know it was there. That's right. So thank, it wasn't for them. But how many people out there have stuff that really shouldn't be theirs? I, you know what, what, what blows me away sometimes? And this is just me. This is just my thinking. Many times people have stuff because the ones that should have had it were not looking. They were not looking in the right place. Or they didn't have the will to go out there and look for the stuff. Because they had the incorrect teaching. They said, if God's going to bless me, he's going to bring it to me. No, God will send you. That's right. No, God will give you an instruction. Right. He'll give you wisdom. And you have to go and do the hard work to make it happen. Yeah. Praise yes. God. Praise God. All right, I got, I got three amens this time. <laughs> then the next thing, see, but uh, Minister Liz, she, uh, she got on my fourth point of the message, right? She didn't want to take the local. She wanted to take the express. So let's just get to the point and let's get out of here, right? <laughs> so God told the disciples, or rather Jesus told the disciples, that if they would follow him or put him first, put him first. Say with me, put him first. He would make them fishers of men, right? See, so that issue, that principle, the, the put God first principle today is in effect. Amen. Peter had to pick up the first fish and give it to who? To Jesus. So the fourth thing that God teaches us, he teaches us to work with his word and his principles, such as seed time and harvest and also seeking God first. Jesus said, use the first fish to take care of Jesus' business. And later on, Jesus blesses Peter. How? He blessed him with a great business. Then he, great, he blessed him with a great apostleship. Yes. He had an amazing ministry. You know why I know it was amazing? We're still talking about him. Yes. That's right. We're still reading his writings. Yes. What an amazing ministry. Amen. Most people do stuff. They're big. You know, they're great big stuff for one season. Then they're gone, forgotten. Nobody knows them. Yes. All right? You know Victor Mature? How many here? Just raise your hand. Who knows Victor Mature? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay? Victor Mature was an amazing actor back in the 30s and 40s. Okay? 
Now, one more generation, I'll say who knows victim is yours, one hand will go up, and that person will be 100 years old. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? People forget, but they're still remembering Peter. What an amazing ministry he had. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 8, uh, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in the great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy, and in the deep poverty, abounded in the riches of their liberality. It was the poor people, but yet they had heard that Jerusalem was having a problem. So these people, even though they were poor, they gave an offering to the Jerusalem church because the Jerusalem church was having a problem. Okay, but look what he says. I bear witness, Paul said, that according to their ability, yes, even beyond, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but now here's the point. They first gave themselves to the Lord. See, that was the key. They gave themselves to the Lord, and after they gave themselves to the Lord, they became very generous with the rest of the body. They became generous with community, even though apparently they didn't have a lot. But yet Paul said they were rich. These people were rich. Why? Because they had the Lord. See, say this with me. I have the Lord. And because I have the Lord, I am rich. See, the, ri- the word rich means you have more than enough. It doesn't mean you're a millionaire, you have a, a Mercedes-Benz. Who cares about that? Who cares? So you got a Mercedes-Benz. Good for you. You get from point A to point B. I have a Hyundai. I get from point A to point B. Right? Hey, just saying. All right. What happened? You have a Metro card. You have a Metro card. Point A to point B. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So faith is embracing now and doing something now or sowing a faith seed now that pleases God and gives us an amazing harvest in the future. I'm going to say that again. Faith is embracing now and doing now something now or sowing a faith seed now that pleases God and gives us an amazing harvest in the future. Yeah, but he's a pain in the neck. Sow some friendship now. You don't know who he's going to be if you model the love of God to him or to her. You don't know. Oh, but you don't know him. I don't care. I don't have to know. God knows him. God knows her. You don't know my job. It's a dead end. Yeah, but keep on sowing the seed. Yeah, but I do my best and they don't care. It doesn't make a difference. When you sow excellence, even if that company doesn't pick you up, another company will. Amen. I'm telling you, I've seen this over and over and over again. This principle of God first, God always has demanded the first part because, he's, yes. he, because he gives us the first. Yes. You look at Adam. What, what did he give Adam? Everything except one thing. He says, that tree, don't touch it. That's mine. God always kept something that was his from the beginning. But it was not that he needed it. Does God need a tree? All he has to do, tree, be created. And it's, it's, it's there. It just appears. Right? Because he speaks to elements and elements obey. Right? But yet he told Adam, don't touch that tree. That's mine. And he put it in the center. So every place Adam went, he saw it. Because he wanted, he, wanted, uh, he wanted Adam's heart. He wanted to be first in Adam's heart. In Jericho, God gives uh, um, Joshua and the whole, the, the whole 2.6 million uh, uh, Jewish people, right? Isra- the, the Israelis. All the cities of Canaan, but, he said, but don't, don't, I, I don't want you to, to touch Jericho. That's mine. The first city you go to, give it to me. Why did he say the second? Why did he say the third? Right? He said, the first one, give it to me. Because it was a principle. He said, I want to be first in your life. And I want you to break that spirit of greed, of avarice, that spirit of, of uh, selfishness that naturally works in our, in our members. And I want you to put me first. And what happens when we come in line with that, now he says, now I can work through you. Now let me bless you with the rest. And the tithe is that way. God doesn't say, I want uh, the 90. He says, just give me the 10th, right? Yeah. Uh, the city of New York and our government says, we want 50%. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's, that's us humans. What about the widow in Zarephath? The, wom- the widow in Zarephath was ready, getting ready to die. She had enough food for one more meal for her little boy and her. And after that, that's it. She didn't have anything else. The prophet shows up, sent by God. God said, go, and, and she's going to take care of you. So he shows up. Now, did he know, did the prophet know that was the last cake she had? I don't know. I don't think so, actually. 
See, prophets don't see clearly 100%. They just know a fragment of knowledge, right? Because God only gives them that much. So she's preparing it to eat it and to die. So the, the prophet shows up, says, widow, uh, give me a glass of water. She looks at him. You know what she said? She said, okay. You know why? God had already told her that the prophet was on the way. And God had already told her, I need you to take care of the prophet for me. Meanwhile, God knew her situation. And in her head, she was going to give the last morsel to her son and her and die. And in the most inconvenient time, the prophet shows up. says, give me some water. So she goes, gives some water. Says, oh, by the way, that cake, give it to me. Now, in the natural, what would we tell anybody who <laughs> wanted my last morsel of food when I have absolutely nothing else? What would I say to that person? I think you're just being kind, sir. <laughs> I know we have a lot of choice verbs and adverbs <laughs> to say to a person that would demand our last morsel of food, right? Well, no, you know what she did? She gave it to him first. And as soon as she turned to give it to him first, as soon as she decided in her heart to bless the man of God as he requested, then the prophecy came upon him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him because the Lord says that this food shall not dwindle. The oil and anything else you have will continue to multiply as long as uh, this problem in the city uh, you know, is, is in effect. There was a problem. The problem was famine. So what happened? She made some food for him. Suddenly there was more. It wasn't an overflow. It was just a continued supernatural supply. She used it and suddenly there was more. She used it and suddenly there was more. You see, what does Jesus tell us to pray for? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, or as it's already being done in heaven, the Amplified says. Then it says, give us this day. So it doesn't say give us a day in overflow so that I know I have enough for a whole year. It says give us a day our daily bread. So God wants us to come into a level of relationship with him that we're trusting him every day. Amen. See, when we have too much around us, we have a tendency not to trust God anymore. <laughs> Well, I don't need God anymore. I'm busy. I'm working. I'm doing overtime. I'm doing all that other good stuff, right? Because we think we're providing for ourselves. We don't understand. Sometimes we're one paycheck from a disaster. Yes, yes. And right now, right now this nation That's right. is one scandal yes. away from a disaster. Amen. Because most of the numbers we hear are fudged. Right. They're cooked. Mm -hmm. They're not telling you the truth, not the whole truth. All right? So we need to understand that our true confidence must never be in man. Doesn't the Bible says, cursed is the man that trusts another man? It's not that God will put a curse on you. It's your curse because it's going to fail. Yeah. You understand? Because you're trusting in something that's faulty. But when we trust Almighty God, and we say, God, today, thank you for my daily bread. Daily bread there connotes provision, wisdom, understanding, relationships, connections, praise God. Anything that we need right there for that day, he's already provided for. But what, what's the principle? Ask and you shall. Seek and you shall. Knock and the door will be. You, you understand? So when we operate the principle, there's a continual open of a supernatural divine supply. God puts his super to our natural. Amen. Anybody getting anything out of this? See, I'm, I'm sharing with you principles that are very powerful and they are operating today. They're, they'll be operating tomorrow. They are constantly operating around us, all around us. You know, people, uh, they're amazed because they've got uh, these programs, uh, supernatural programs, where they go into ho homes and, and they set up this electronic equipment. And they, you know, as soon as they put it on, they go, is anybody there? <laughs> Anybody see those programs? You, you, you ever seen that? Ghost Hunters and stuff like that, uh, Destination Truth and stuff like that. You know, I, I like sci-fi movies, but man, that's... I look at it and I go, truly, you, you, you're, you're just dabbling in the spirit. But meanwhile, the primary spirit, almighty God, who is spirit, he wants to come into relationship with you. Yeah. Amen. We just want to play with this stuff. We don't want to enter into a serious relationship. Amen. But if we only knew if we entered into a serious relationship, now we become the king's children. And the king's children don't pay taxes. Come on, that's right. Come on. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 
Ezekiel 44. The best of all first fruits of any kind, every sacrifice and every kind from any of your sacrifices shall be the priests. Also, you shall give the priests the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house. What does ground meal, what does offerings have to do with a blessing in your house? Because he's wanting to get you out of that spirit of greed. He's wanting you to get out of that spirit of selfishness. I want to be the number one famous person. I want to be, uh, uh, what do you call it, the American Idol. What's the connotation there? That you become rich and famous, you'll, then you'll make it. Uh, you know, for every person that makes it, you know how many hundreds of thousands and even millions of kids today are trying to be famous? Why? Because TV is teaching them, our society is teaching them. If you make lots of money, then you'll be adored and worshipped. And That's the spirit of this age. And that goes diametrically opposed to what God is teaching us in Scripture. And guess what? Whose way you think is better? Pride comes before the what? The Bible says pride comes before the fall. When we become prideful, when we become arrogant, we've seen it over and over. How, why, why are we not getting it? A person like Miley Cyrus who starts humbly, goes up the ranks very quickly, doesn't know how to handle this stuff. You know what ends up happening? They go bonkers. They go berserk because they can't handle it because they don't understand the spirit of greed will destroy you. The spirit of pride will destroy you. That's, what, that's one of the deadly sins. That's what turned Lucifer into Satan. Yes. Yes. He, he wasn't happy where he was at. He wasn't happy being one, a high-arching archangel. Yes. He wanted the main seat. And that's what happens to us. We're never satisfied. And that's what the Spirit will do for you. It'll get you to a point where you're never satisfied. Well, let me ask you a question. What does that sound like when you're never satisfied? You take something and you need more of it, more of it, more of it. What does that sound like? Huh? Exactly. It sounds like an addiction. Some people are addicted to drugs. Some people are addicted to what? Accolades, money. And most of us are addicted to greed. Not at high levels, but at little levels. You see? And that's why when God wants to work through us, we have a lot of problems. It's because the spirit of age, of this age that, that, that dwells in our flesh, battles against the spirit of God, which is a giving spirit. So, I don't want to give you my time. No, I don't want to give you this. And God is saying, you don't understand. You're going to have the better part of this. You give me your heart, but I'm going to give you my kingdom. And I'm going to give you my principles. I'm going to give you my word. I'm going to give you my wisdom. I'm going to give you divine connections. I'm going to give you what you could never do on your own. I'm going to restore to you what you had lost this last 30 years. I'm going to bring it back within a year. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to bless you with an overflow. I'm going to cause a, a blessing to rest on your house. Yes. Amen. See, that's how our God Hallelujah. operates. Hallelujah. And, and this is where we're missing it most of the time. We think we're losing with God. Because we're giving something. Look what it says in the New Testament. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich with the things of this world in this present age. Remember, I'm re reading from that expanded version. Command them who have things in this world. And by the way, us Americans, we have things in this world. We have things of this world. How many of you are you going through a financial crisis right now? Somewhat. Right? right? Well, most of us are going through a limit, right? How many of you are making less this year than you made last year? Amazing. I'm making less this year too. I mean, because they impose more taxes on us. So my, yeah. I checked it last year and first week, that's it. My salary went down. It wasn't a mistake. Yeah. Uh, you know, the city, the city's taking more thing in social security, something like that. So our salary actually went down. Right? So... You know, we need to understand it's limited what we have there. But we have things because according to world statistics, we are among the top eighth of the wealthiest people in the world. Yes. There are billions of people that are doing worse than us. Right. Billions. See, so Americans, we're just so used to, uh, you know, what's the argument now uh, that I hear in the news? Oh, you know, our snow didn't get plowed as quick as it should have. Yes. Poor mayor, he gets in like the first day and he's already being accused. Yeah. You know, now it's Snowgate. Yeah. <laughs> now it's Snowgate because the east side didn't get plowed as fast as. You understand my point? 
We're so spoiled. Oh, my latte. Yeah, I mean, we're so spoiled. Oh, my Manny and my Petty. I didn't know what in the world that was. The ladies had to explain that to me, what a Manny and a Petty was. You understand, there are things we worry about that are so... Yet there are people that are just happy they have a mud hut. And they had enough cornmeal for the day. And they had, finally, they got a delivery of potable water. We're rich. But the Bible commands those that are rich in this day. Well, I never saw myself as rich. Well, according to most of the world, you are among the eighth percentile of the richest people in the world. It says here, command those who are rich with things of this world, in this present age, not to be proud, not to be arrogant, not to be haughty. Tell them to hope in God, not in their uncertain riches. God richly gives us everything to enjoy. Tell the rich people to do good, to be rich in good, in doing good deeds, to be generous, to be ready to share. By doing that, they will be saving and storing up a treasure for themselves with, as a strong foundation for the future. Then they will be able to have and take hold of the life that is true life. Wow. See, so we're saved by grace, but our actions give us an inheritance. Or our actions take away from us the inheritance. What are we going to do? How are we going to respond? So now I pose that question to you. Now that you understand this a little better, now that you have a revelation on the, 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 the flip side, you've learned what Hollywood wants. You learn the way they think. You learn what's inbred in our flesh, that's the spirit of selfishness, of greed. But how are we going to respond this year, 2014? God is ready to release, the, open up the windows of heaven. And as far as I'm concerned, he's already ha- he already has. Uh, I'm already starting to see how God is doing that. Amen. Amen. As a, as a congregation, I just need to share with you, we have certain breakthroughs that I'm already hearing that have come to my ears that we're going to see by the month of March in this church. And I'm not privy to say it yet because I've been sworn to secrecy. I am just so happy right now. I'm giddy. Look. But you're going to see a manifest. Mark the calendar. By the end of March, watch what's going to be happening. Amen. Amen. But I'm just saying... There are already things that are being released on our behalf because of our faithfulness, because of our stability, because we weren't sure, but yet we still decided to trust God. You've got the better part of the, of the package deal. God doesn't forget your labor of love. God doesn't forget what you've been doing in the kingdom. You think he forgets? Uh-uh. Man forgets. Yeah, that's the way we used to say it before. Uh-uh. He does not forget. Praise God. So don't be weary in well-doing because you will receive a harvest That's right. in Amen. due time and due season. Amen. I believe your due right. season is on its way. Yeah.